Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, March 13, 2016. The share ID for Friday, March 11th, is 8532. That's 8532. This morning, A Vision for You presents... Continue for a Lifetime. The purpose of Steps 1 through 9 is a personal transformation leading to a spiritual awakening. The Big Book provides clear-cut directions to these steps which will remove the things that block us from the higher power deep down within us. The Big Book also gives us a very clear warning. If we do not keep in fit spiritual condition, we will relapse. Our mental obsession will return. We will become insane again. How do we keep in fit spiritual condition? One part of that vital process includes step 10, which we continue for a lifetime. Joining us this morning to speak about step 10 and the inventory process is Elaine B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Elaine is devoted to our 12-step way of life and is here to share her experience, strengths, and hope with us today. Good morning, Elaine, and welcome. Elaine, star one to unmute. Thank you very much, Leah, for your life-impacting service. <laughs> and um, my name is Elaine B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts and feel uh, greatly honored and humbled to be able to share on this step with you today. I'm going to start with a prayer you may be familiar with. God, I offer myself to thee to build with thee, with me and to do with me as you will. Relieve me of my bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of your love, your power, and your way of life. May I do thy will always and in all ways. I'm going to start out talking just a little bit of the background for me, which will show up in some of the 10th step work. Um, a little bit later, I was born in California, and um, my uh, ways of coping, coping in a family that I guess, you know, I don't know, I guess I just felt I needed to add some things to it <laughs> to make it work for me, um, began to show up very early in life. My mother often reminisces about that I would always make a rule, <laughs> you know, make a rule, Laney. And so when they called me Laney, my rule was they had to put a penny in the penny box because I didn't like being called Laney. So um, I easily uh, came up with rules and boundaries and ways to make my world safe and manageable and understandable. And when people broke the rules, you know, they became bad. And so we lived in a place where uh, jaywalking was against the law. And so when I think about the jaywalker, I'm like, well, of course, they deserve to be hit by a car. They're breaking all the rules, you know. And yet later I was to become a jaywalker thinking, it's okay, I can get away with this. Um, I also recall when I was a kid, uh, they played a joke on a neighbor and they made a cake out of um, like a box with 
putty or something on top of it. And I went to sneak a lick of the icing, and, man, was I disappointed. So um, I also remember eating frozen hot dogs right out of the freezer. And, um, you know, those are kind of indications that I had a twisted relationship with food, even from the start, though it didn't manifest on my body till many years later. Um, we had a family move in from Massachusetts, where both my parents were from, and they were jaywalkers, <laughs> and they skipped school. They smoked cigarettes. They wore jeans to school, and they spit on the sidewalk. They were breaking all my rules. We had a, a name for them. We called them the Dirty Dozen. So then began began my um, strong judgment, my critical attitude, my superior thinking. And um, yet at the same time, I had really inferior thinking. I was I was blown away when Donna Getty would be my friend because she was pretty and she was nice and she was popular. So the manifestations of just kind of um, an imbalanced perspective on life and the ways that I needed to cope with it uh, were, were set early, early in place. I remember one day we were driving in the car and my father told all four of us sitting in the back seat um, that we were going to be moving to Massachusetts. And I thought, oh my gosh, everybody in Massachusetts is like the dirty dozen. How can that happen? He never consulted me. Can I make a rule about this? <laughs> of course I couldn't. And so, you know, that history of, of what the big book says, our problems are often of our own making, began. Because that day, I shut the door on my dad. A wall clanged down. And I, you know, regret to say that, um, you know, between that time and the time that we did the work, I, I spent time with my dad, but I never really was open to a relationship with him until I had come through this process at a deeper level. And now he's got Alzheimer's, and <laughs> it's a little difficult to do. So I missed out. I missed out. But God's timing for me to find these steps and get through them, are um, that was in God's hands. Um, when I moved to Massachusetts, it was hard for me. Um, and, you know, instead of having all the rules and the patent leather shoes and being ridiculed, I ended up uh, kind of going the way that I found people going and got involved in drugs and started smoking cigarettes and wearing jeans to school and, you know, having sex as a, as a comfort, as a way of coping and, and connecting with people, but not in real ways. And um, I did have a huge emotional displacement in 1986 where I, I, I gave up those things. I did have a change of mind about them. And um, yet, food was still there. At that time, I, I did turn to God. I, I came into church, and but I also came to the food. The food went back to, you know, the safe place where I could go anywhere and, and get food. And so I eventually gained 100 pounds. And I remember being with a, a man I was, I was dating, sort of, and he said to me, you know, why don't you try OA? And he said, I wonder who you are under all of this, meaning my extra 100 pounds. I'm still discovering that now. 16 years later, that man became my husband, and, and that was 11 years ago. And so 20, 27 years later, I'm just beginning who that is. Who is that person that was under all of that? All of that fat and all of those rules and all of those ways of trying to manage self will run riot, run riot. So... When I came, I, I didn't. I tried the rooms once or twice, and you know, I heard blah blah blah, no sugar, blah blah blah, no sugar, and I put down the sugar and thought, 
oh, I can do that, <laughs> you know, lost 20 pounds. And, but I, I didn't stay. I didn't stay. I didn't hear it. I wasn't ready. But when I was ready, um, it was right after we got engaged and um, I started going to the rooms. And the first thing that I noticed was that there was a difference between people who had worked the steps and those who hadn't. What they had attracted me. And um, I began a pursuit to, to do the steps. Of course, that came after I got married and after I moved. And um, it took a really, really long time for me to find a way to do the, uh, to do the steps. Um, I tried them a few different ways. I was in a, in a group of, um, my husband is in a 12-step program, and I was in a group of codes of people who have somebody like that in their life. And um, when I, hang on just a second here, just trying to time the sessions of my, my talk here. When I, um, when I went in there, I did a checklist. Somebody said, you know, do it, but don't do it with a sponsor because you all codependence and you're going to focus more on another person's work than your own. So I did this checklist inventory, and when it came to step nine, I'm like, no way. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to go out there and talk to people. I didn't get the relief. Um, I came into, uh, in, I live in an area where there are big book step study meetings. Um, at that time, they were all addiction meetings. And I was so relieved to hear somebody talk about um, a sex addiction because I had such a, a, a raucous history with that. And I thought, oh, well, I can give my fifth step to her. So I started working with her and started working with, you know, she went back into her addiction after about two years of working with her. And I ended up getting another sponsor and another sponsor and, you know, ah, thinking that the sponsor would be the solution. Um, you know, when one thing I heard when I did find finally a vision for you was there are many ways to do the steps. And I totally respect and appreciate the ways that the people around me do the steps and the recovery that they have. They're the people that I saw that said, you have what I want. And yet um, the other part of what I heard is, if the way you're doing it did not work for you, then try something else. And, um, you know, that's what ended up happening for me. It took me six years from the day I started doing resentment turnarounds on step four to the day I finished doing resentment turnarounds on step four. I did it with a couple different sponsors. One of them made me throw away all the work I had done. I had uh, notebooks filled of writing. I had 546 people, places, and things. Um, we turned around resentment on every single resentment, not just the 556 people, places, and things. And um, it took a really, really long time. And I've heard a lot of talk about how hard the fourth step is, how long it takes, how much I dread doing it. I'm still writing, still writing, still writing, still writing. And um, I had, I saw a lot of patterns as I did that. I gained some self-knowledge, but just like the big book says, self-knowledge availed me nothing. You know, that didn't help me. Um, understand that when I decided that, you know, popcorn would be okay to add to my food plan and that when my sponsor bristled that I would just commit it as, as, as vegetables or that when I wanted to have wine at a board meeting because it was a gourmet chef and they were pairing the wine with the dinner and my sponsor said, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, I didn't know I was, I was, you know, edging my way right out the door. It took three years of redefining my abstinence. I had six years of back-to-back -back abstinence, lost my weight, maintained it, found some life in between meals, used the tools, you know, 
sponsored people for food, learned how to live with food day to day. I'm so incredibly grateful for that and for the fellowship and for all these different people that I've met face to face. It's so wonderful. But um, but I didn't get the freedom that I sought. And so when I got instructions for the fear inventory, I knew it was going to take me another year. By then it had been three years that I was, you know, having popcorn regularly, experimenting with other foods, although it was quote unquote abstinent, if I read it by my abstinence, having wine more and more frequently. And um, boy, you know, this, this disease was, it was, it was enticing me out the door. And I really thought God had something better for me. God did so much for me. In 1986, he's got something better for me, and maybe these steps aren't the way. And so I went out of the rooms, and I'll tell you what, in 10 months, I was crawling. I was crawling. There was food hidden all over my house. My husband was furious at me, and I didn't care. I couldn't even see it. I was I was fogged and befogged. My, my every waking moment was thinking about, when am I going to get that taste? I still went to meetings. I'd sit in the back of the room with my legs shaking, planning my next um, exploit, you know, where am I going to go? And if I walked into that store and I saw some people from that meeting in there, I was mad. So um, God, I guess I had to do a, have a little more convincing that, you know, that I was a compulsive overeater and I needed to really look at this. I knew the solutions were in the room. So I started doing 90 meetings in 90 days. I was going to AA meetings. I accepted the fact that that was an issue for me too. Sugar in a glass is really the reason why. And um, actually, it's actually somebody on the line that told me that. <laughs> and the sponsor I did a tug of war are, are, is also on the line. I absolutely love that. I love this fellowship. And um, so 45 days into it, somebody gave me the phone number for a vision for you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I listened the very first uh a special edition meeting was the next meeting, and it was Ruth talking about, they called this plain insanity, and that was exactly what it was, the way I was living. And so I grabbed hold of this meeting, of the big book, of the steps with the desperation of a dying man, and I remember trying to, you know, get started and calling a sponsor and just, you know, I, I was desperate. She brought me through steps one through nine, and I'm not going to um, unpack that too much except for to say that in steps, the, in step four, I really learned a new way of looking at everything, and I, I needed to, you know, not just um, look at how people um, hurt me, you know, but I had to, I had to look at everything. Um, I needed to look at my side, my side. So I, I felt like doing that um, step four is like, it's like an apprentice just learning a craft. It's like a, a student just learning a skill. And I remember some things I learned, I thought, why do I need to know the date of the American Revolution? That's never, I'm never going to need that anymore. And and maybe sometimes those are the thoughts that, that we have as we're being taught through this book. Why do I need that? Little did I know that that step four process for resentment inventory, fear inventory, and sex inventory, and then the willingness to give it away in step five was going to be an essential tool that my creator used to help get me back in alignment one day at a time. I thought that, oh, if I do the four step this thoroughly and honestly, um, you know, when I was writing my 546 names, then I'll be done and I'll be perfect when I'm done. And when I came to my sponsor, she said, just ask God, just put what, what you're carrying, what's in the space in between your head. And that's, 
that's what I did. And I'm like, but what about fearless and thorough? And she said, you will have step 10 if things come up. But if it's not bothering you today, if it's not pressing on you today, let's get through the steps with what is. And that was enough to to get me started. I didn't know I wasn't going to be finished when I finished step four. I was starting a lifelong journey. I was learning to use a craft. I was learning to look at my not just what people did wrong and to acknowledge, which I think is brilliant, the hurt, the cause, the way it's impacted me. I do get to say, yeah, I have a reason to be hurt. I love that the big book says this world and its people sometimes hurt us. But I also began to discover the ways that I had made decisions that I, that caused me trouble and that really the other people had nothing to do with it. I never saw that before. Even though I saw patterns of dishonesty and selfishness and people-pleasing and all these things, I never saw that it was based on my own decisions, my own fear. Um, so I love being validated even today as I do a 10-step. As I learned this craft and I learned to... to um, you know, to pray and and uh, pray for the person that harmed me, and to really look at how uh, how was I being selfish? What was in it just for me? What did I want that was just all about me? What was I trying to get out of this life so I could rest in satisfaction, or get out of you, or get out of that job, or get out of that um, principle? And how was I being dishonest? What lies were I telling myself? What truth did I believe that wasn't true? What was I omitting? That was a big thing for me. What wasn't I saying? How was I being self-seeking? What behaviors manifested when I um, was trying to control you to get to do what I want or when I didn't like what you want, when I didn't get what I want? I have one sponsor who said I ate at them. (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. I think it's a riot. Um, And then my fears, you know, I saw that I truly was driven by a hundred forms of fear and that became the foundation for how I lived my life. I didn't know I was being pulled around like a fish on a string um, just by that evil corroding thread that was woven through my life. Some of my main character, these are my character defects, my selfishness, the way it manifests, my dishonesties, my self-seeking, my fear. And and some of my key ones that I saw is that I judge and compare all the time. I had an ego that was so big, but I also had an ego that was so small. But that's the flip side of the same coin. I mean, so great or I'm the worst. And I love that somebody in this room says these steps are 12, not 12 steps up to perfection like I thought they were going to be. They're 12 steps down to humility. I was a powerless victim. There was nothing I could do. And now I'm learning that even in my most challenging situations that the 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 solution that I found, the spiritual solution I found that helped me be able to put the food down 7-11-2013 and keep it down ever since to go to India and face huge challenges and not have the food even be a blip on the screen. I didn't even realize it until afterwards. I didn't think about the food. But that same power wants to solve all of my problems today. I'm not a powerless victim. There is something I can do, even if it is only pray the acceptance prayer so that I can accept the situation as it is. I'm a people pleaser. Doing one 10-step turnaround, somebody said to me, I hate people pleasers. They're the biggest liars. You can never trust what they say because they're driven by a hidden motive. Wow, that was a whack between the eyes. Um, You know, rule script director, I also disqualify myself and isolate. That's some of the many character defects that I've had to turn to that God that wants to solve all of my problems. 
the way I look at it is this. The big book talks, you know, there's 17 times in the big book that it says that uh, it talks about the higher power being my creator. Of course, we can define our higher power, higher power however we want to, and that's the freedom of this program. And it helped me come in as a blocked person to open up to um, to a God in a new way. And I do believe that my higher power is my creator, the one that created me. And you know what? If if my computer isn't working, I need to go to the computer expert. And what what better computer expert than somebody that made it? And, um, you know, I need adjustments all the time. The 12 and 12 talks about that we are given these God-given instincts that he's not likely to remove. He's not going to remove them um, for nurture and security and food and um, sex. And they just run amok. They, we, they get misshapen as we try to use them to manage our lives. They get blown out of proportion. And um, I, I want to go back to my creator to make those adjustments. And at first there were huge adjustments and at times they still are. And, um, you know, for God to make those adjustments in me, but it was my own best thinking that brought me into this mess. How am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? You know, one of the biggest prayers that I've had, um, you know, to face is I surrender. I surrender. I had to surrender the food. I had to surrender my rules. I had to surrender my directing the show. I had to surrender the outcome. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And it's the 10 step that's helped me do that, to help me have a, um, to have a relationship and a trust in my creator that, that not only does my creator want the best for me, but that my creator is able to get me there. But it's not going to be an overnight transformation. Just like the 10 step says, it says this must continue for a lifetime, that it's not an overnight matter. In fact, I think I want to jump over and, and read exactly what the 10 step says in um, the big book. So the 10 step actually is uh, we continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. Well, that seems like a simple step, but I love the instructions in the big book that tell us just how to do this. You know, we learned the craft doing step four, turning it over to somebody else, step five, examining what our character defects are and asking God to remove them, step six and seven, identifying whether we've harmed anybody, step eight, and then making amends quickly if we have harmed anyone, step nine. And it says, um, you know, we, we learn these steps and... Um, once we've gotten through them and, and they end up with all those wonderful promises on page 84, beginning bottom of page 83. 84, it says this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take person, personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We've entered into the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime, hence the title of this message. Continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. I didn't even know I had selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear until I learned these steps and I began to see my dishonesty until I started looking at it every single day. 
And it was easy for me to figure out resentment because it was easy for me to be pissed at you for not doing what I think you should. Sometimes it was easy for me to see that I was afraid. But dishonesty and selfishness, you know, I'm just beginning to see that more and more. I'm just beginning to to get to a place where I can recognize those things manifesting in my life. Back to page 84. When these crop up, here's the instructions. We ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately. Immediately. (laughs) We make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So it's interesting because this includes step 11. We ask God to remove it. We communicate with our creator or our our higher power. And it also talks about step 12. We resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. The brilliance of that is it doesn't, it allows me to turn away from my issue and I'm not dwelling on it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not rehearsing it. I'm not replaying it in my head. I'm not re-agitating myself. I'm not working up the resentment or the fear again. I'm not reinforcing lies I told to myself. I'm not getting into self-pity and despair which is some of the manifestations of my selfishness. Love and tolerance of others is our code. I consider that part of step A. I I mean step 10. I also consider this part of step 10. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. When I find myself struggling, battling with you, um, with getting the work done my way, on my time, you know, that's a step 10 issue for me. I, I have to stop fighting. I have to cease fighting. Um, a little further on, in, uh, on page 85, as it continues these instructions for page 10, it says, we were, we're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will not mine be done. These are thoughts which may go with, must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line, all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. I was so thrilled to learn that because I'm a strong-willed person, and yet I didn't have enough willpower to get myself out of the food or to manage my life in a successful way and to be able to find the proper use of the will. Of course, that instruction, um, God helps us know what God's will is as we practice step 11 in our lives. But we have to be unblocked. I have to all day long um, carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities and, and find out how I can serve God. How can I know what to do, what thy will not mine is, unless I have a clear connection with God. But what happens to me if I get blocked by selfishness, dishonest resentment, and fear, it can take over my life. I want to climb in there, rehearse it, tell everybody about it, live in that place, and I get blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. And it's like driving while blind. You know, how foolish would it be? Well, we talk about the jaywalker. Well, what about the guy who gets in the car and he pulls out and doesn't turn his lights on? It's like, oh, that's okay. I got this, you know. Well, maybe you got it once, you know. But if you turn on the light, you're going to see a lot more clearly. Well, we see what we can't see. We know what we didn't know. I, I hear that in these rooms a lot, and, I, and I'm so grateful for it because, you know what, I didn't ask to be a compulsive overeater. I didn't ha- ask to have 
things happened in my life where I needed to create rules. I didn't ask to have, uh, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll or food be the way that I tried to manage my life and get some comfort and, and you know, get some satisfaction out of this. But I didn't ask for that. Um, I just want to uh, to be used by God. Um, and in order to do that, I need the headlights on. But as I said, it was my own best thinking that got me out of this mess. So the brilliance, I believe, of step 10 is that we do we do a step five. We discuss it with somebody immediately. You know, if I text somebody from a spiritual toolkit and send what my 10 step is, great. I've gotten what my thinking is out. But what I need is somebody who has thinking that's beyond mine, you know. Um, first of all, I need to tap into the power of God. I always think of myself as a symbol. All my resource, all my experience, all my knowledge, all my skills, all of my talents, um, all of my experience is a symbol compared to the vast ocean of God's resources. You know, um, just before we read step three, it says we have a new employer being all-powerful. He will give us everything we need if we stay close to him and perform his work well. I've had to repeat that a million times because self-reliance has failed me, and yet I get into it a lot. And so, um, so hang on just a second. Again, I'm just trying to monitor my time here. So um, what I need to do is ask God to remove it. I need to ask God what God's will is. I need to ask God, you know, Take away my fear and show me what I, what you would have me be. Ask God to help me find the way of patience, tolerance, love, and kindness for somebody I'm resentful at or a situation I'm resentful at. Ask God to show me what what my proper sex ideal should be. You know, what should I have done instead? But I also get to go out into these rooms and I get to ask you. And Time after time, I've been so amazed and so touched that I'll call somebody who's been through the exact same thing, who is going through the exact same thing, who can speak into me from their experience. From the, we can trudge this road together. You know, I, I have I have somebody like that right now. We're going through a major issue, and we've been doing ten steps together. We get to do it together. I called this morning when I got out of bed. Um, I didn't even get out of bed yet. I was in bed and I was thinking about the situation, the situation, the thing that happened last night. It came up on my 11th step and I was thinking about it and, um, you know, my friend texted me and I and I asked if she had a few minutes and I'm still in bed and, and I call her and she said, oh, you're on my mind. You're speaking this morning. I can't wait to hear. And I said, I woke up. I, I was on my mind when I woke up too. <laughs> and um but I was on my mind because I was thinking about myself and what are people thinking of me and did I do it right and what's the right thing? And I got to do a fear inventory with her. I got to talk it through. And guess what? She had something. I've been wrestling with this for like a week with different 10 steps, and she gave me something I hadn't gotten, that I was taking on somebody else's shame. And it was out of her experience. And she got to bring me to a place where I had a new outlook. I had a totally new outlook. Um, I have one 10 step that I did every day for like 20 days in a row. I'm like, what is going on here? I can't get free from this, but it kept coming up. So I kept doing it because that's what the book says. I don't, I could clear the block for a day. I got 24 hours with my headlights on so I could see, so I could move ahead from that issue. But it came up again the next day. And one day somebody was, um, I was doing a 10 step with somebody and uh, somebody I reserved for my big guns, I say. I shouldn't say it that way, but she's just amazing. And um, 
and uh, she said to me, you know, well, what's the spiritual truth of the situation? And I said, I, I didn't know what she was talking about. And the truth was, was that this person, the way they were treating me that I was reacting to, treated everybody that way. It's just who they were. They weren't singling me out. So the spiritual truth was it wasn't about me. It was just them and the way that they are, you know. And and that feedback helped me accept the many times that that has happened since then. And, uh, you know, sometimes I still have to do a 10-step because it hurts and I get through it. And, and then I'm reminded it's not personal. It's not about me, you know. And um, so the other thing about this is, is I was working with my with my um, sponsor. She at uh, at step nine encouraged me to start building my network by reaching out to others and ask, talking about the amends that I needed to make and see what they experience they had. I started building relationship with people in the rooms, and my the dynamics of my calls from using the tools of OA, calling three people a day, hi, how are you? Yeah, you're number two. Okay, check off my list. I'm gonna call somebody else. The dynamic of the relationships and the content of my phone calls, my contact with my fellows has totally changed. And the big book talks about we will create around us the community that we crave. You do not want to miss this. And um, that's really true. It's the opening of step 12, working with others on the very first page of step 12. And it has been my experience. Because the community I crave is somebody that I can connect with I can talk meaningfully about what's going on in my life and what's going on in their life. I don't have to be perfect. I don't only have to share the things I have victory over. I can share the things when I'm a groveling mess, you know, when I can't find my way out, when I am completely stuck. And to be able to be heard, to be able to be accepted, to be able to be loved, to be able to not be slapped down, to be able to cry like I'm getting choked up now. That's the community I craved. Somebody who cares enough about me to listen. Somebody who understands these steps and and can reflect back to me. Did you think about this? Maybe you should consider that. Somebody who will seek God with me on my behalf so that I can say, here's what my symbol is showing. Here's the insight I see from God. What do you see? Somebody whose experience I can tap into, who may have been through something similar, or may be able to direct me to some somebody else for another way to look at this in order to get free and clear, to have the sunlight of the spirit. You know, it talks about we have a complete transformation of outlooks and perspectives. And um, and that that happened, you know, but it, it didn't happen overnight for me. It didn't happen when I wrote my four, 546 pages of turnarounds. It didn't happen when I gave it away on my checklist. It didn't even happen when I did my fourth and fifth with my sponsor. It continues to happen every day. Every day my creator is at work in me, doing the tweaks and perfections to keep me running like a well-oiled machine, to, to change my selfishness into somebody who wants to seek his will and be of, of use to him and to others. Um, to God and to others. And please forgive me if I send anybody by saying, you know, him and God, it's just that's, that's my higher power. Um, so uh, so that's that's my goal today is to be of maximum use. And, and when I slip out of that, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel it. I'm, I'm, you know, my feelings were given for a reason. Feelings are never wrong. Somebody told me they're like a signpost desiring to take action, yield, 
stop, you know, <laughs> under construction, road closed, you know, whatever it is um, that that I need to uh, that I need to do this. You know, one of the common things I hear is that, wow, you know, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and it takes a lot of time to listen to meetings and do my work and work with sponsees. How do I have time? How do I work this into my life? Well, you know what? Somehow I find time to brush my teeth every day. Sometimes I have time to use the bathroom when I need to. doesn't even matter. I could even be in the middle of an important meeting and need to do that, and I will. I have to do it. I have to do it. I had one friend who was saying, oh, you know, I've been struggling for like three days with this, and, you know, I just haven't had time to take a, do a 10-step. And I said, let's do a little experiment. Let's just take some time right now, and we'll unpack this thing. So I set my stop stopwatch on my phone, and in 11 minutes, this woman went from despair that had been hounding her for three days to laughter and joy and sweet release. She had time. She had time, and hopefully that was a power of example for her um, to to just pick up the phone and do it. Go take a walk. So my sponsor told me it's like having poo on your shoe. If you don't clean it up wherever you go, you're going to be stinking up the place. And you know what? Climb into bed with poo on your shoe, that's pretty icky. That's pretty icky. <laughs> well, I, you know, when I, I, I oftentimes have made like six calls in a row and didn't reach anybody, I always pray before I call. It's like, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to reach out to? And I would make six calls, and then the last person would be the person that had this experience that I had. But what a delight to hear back from those other people when they called me back. And oftentimes, I needed a 10 or they needed a 10. There was an opportunity to connect with that community that I crave. My my mother-in-law died about uh, last September, and the room was full of, of my husband's large family members and um, my husband has a large family and members of it were in the room and as we were filing out the nurse said to my brother-in-law with a wonderful sense of humor wow that was beautiful when I go out I I wanted to go like that and he's like well give us your number we'll be there (laughs) for me I don't have children I'm not going to have a room full of children and their spouses and their friends and their children um, in with me when I pass but I know (laughs) I wonder what 10-step call I'll be doing that day I know I'll have my fellows I went to India and I faced some challenges there and one thing that was so anchoring for me was knowing the safety net that was just a phone call away I did a special plan so that I could make 10-step calls because I knew I would need to I need to stay clean on that journey and the people who helped me through you know thank God the middle of the night was the middle of the day for you guys and you guys helped me through you helped me show up every day to not miss a thing to not drive blind to not be so wrapped up in myself I couldn't be there for others and it was an amazing experience oh, talking with you guys is a bright spot of my day somebody suggested we start a texting group between some of us that have a similar um, just some similarities in our approach to uh, the big book and to life we set up this texting group and that's been an amazing privilege for me um, it was an idea that I heard on the line and so we have we just send out a text is anybody available to take a 10 step and then the people who want to respond we also share some encouragements along the line that have been very very helpful and very meaningful and again i'm getting choked up 
you know, because I had the privilege of just reaching out to them and say, please, help, please, please join me in prayer that God will use me as a vessel for His honor. That I'll say what He wants me to say and and share what He wants me to share. No more, no less, um, with humility. <laughs> so um, that's that's a great way to do it. Um, so I just encourage you, if you don't have a network, even if you're just starting the steps, start building that network. It's a safety net. You know, um, the rooms aren't enough. Uh, just relying on how higher power wasn't enough for me. I, I left the rooms with a higher power. I needed this program of action. I need to work it every single day. And... Um, I need to work it with you guys. I need the experience beyond you and what I can get from my higher power, from your wisdom, strength, and experience to speak back into my life, to be humble and to do that. Um, a couple of final thoughts. Uh, the difference between pausing in step 11, it talks about pause when we're doubtful or agitated. I'm like, well, I'm agitated. I'm doubtful if I need to do a step 10. <laughs> So if I ask God for the right thought or action and it gives me a different perspective and it goes away, fine. I don't need to do a step 10. But if it nags at me, I need to do the work. I need to do the work or I'm going to get blocked. Um, The final thought is at step 11, what a brilliant way of doing the steps. And for me, the creator that I believe inspired this book wanted to make sure that we didn't climb into bed with blue in our shoe. And if we did, we have an opportunity to, to look at it. Step 10 is all throughout the day we're looking for resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, and fear. Step 11 gives us an opportunity to remind us that that's what we were doing, and we get to ask again, were we resentful? Were we selfish? Were we dishonest? Were we afraid? We get to look at it. And then we ask, do we owe an apology? You know, did, do we need to make amends to somebody? You know? Have we kept something to ourselves that should be discussed with another person at once? That's like an amends. That's like doing a 10 step. Should I have done that? I love the fact that I can pick up the phone and call someone in Arizona, Colorado, California, and it's earlier for them, or from India, and it's the middle of the day. And I can do the work right then and there. And um, I do have a 10 step buddy. I send her my stuff. The book, book doesn't require that you do that, but I found it helpful for me to make sure I did it. And, um, you know, I got to ask other questions that really helped shape me. Remember to think that, you know, I'm supposed to be loving and kind to everybody today. Um, you know, I get a chance to look at what I could have done better. And where was I thinking of myself most of the time? You know, I need to be looking at what I can pack, pack in life for others. But also it gives me the reminder every day that I must not drift into worry remorse or morbid reflection because that would diminish my usefulness to God and others. And again, the beauty of step 10, if we're doing it during the day, we turn our thoughts to somebody else we can help. So we don't drift into replaying, 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 replaying the script that got me into the food over and over and over again. So um, then we inquire what corrective action what corrective measures should be taken. And, you know, if I give it away, um, at night in my 11th step and it doesn't come to me in the morning or if God directs that I need to do a 10th step in the morning, that's a time where I'll, I'll do the work. I'll do the work so I can start the day in the sunlight of the spirit and not be blocked. And so thank you again for the privilege of sharing my experience with this step to encourage you all to use it and, and perhaps to, uh, to maybe give you a, a thought or two of ways that might be helpful for you. And uh, with that, I pass. 
Thank you so much, Elaine, for your insightful presentation on Step 10 this morning. Thank you for bringing to life the directions written in our text, the big book, and threading that with your personal experience with Step 10. Thank you so much. Elaine's contact information will be offered at the conclusion of this recording. And we're now going to transition to questions and answer period. If you have a question for Elaine, please press star 1 to unmute and identify yourself. Martha S. in upstate New York. Martha, okay. Martha. I didn't hear who came in after Martha. Elizabeth S. Elizabeth S. Charlie G. Charlie G. Mm-hmm. Charlie, thanks. Anyone else? Okay, well, let's start with this trio, beginning with Martha S., please. Yes, thank you so much, um, Elaine, for your for your sharing. Uh, I'm very moved. Um, this is my quandary. Um, I've been in OA for two years, and for the past year after working the steps and now uh, practicing 10, 11, and 12, I've collected a bunch of phone numbers from people in recovery in my, my in-person meetings so that I can call people and I need to do a 10th step slash 5th step share. And I found that those phone calls are really uh, central to my abstinence and recovery. But um, of the list of about 10 people that I call, um, you know, when I wake up in the morning and the thing is still bothering me in prayer, you know, in the 11th step inventory at night, it has not relieved my obsession of the mind about whatever happened. I know I need to do a 10-step inventory and I... Sometimes I write it down. Um, usually I, I do a sheet from the Lori workbook and I, I write down my, my inventory. And then I text someone to see if they're available to hear that, what I've written down. My, my question is, what, what, do you, um, what might you recommend if I'm finding that out of those 10 people who are, I know are in recovery, only one or two would will reciprocate and call me when when they have a ten step share. So I feel kind of alone in that process. My sponsor says I should just keep calling people, but um, I love the idea of the texting group, and I'll I'll give that a try. Um, and I probably should um, put my phone number out there on a vision for you more often for people who want to do ten step um, shares. But I'm just wondering if you have any suggestions because I'm telling my sponsees that this is a has has been an important tool for me, but I don't want to set them up for disappointment if people don't reciprocate because it can feel kind of lonely when you're the one always making the call. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense or if you have any um, suggestions. Thank you. That makes perfect sense, Martha. Thank you very much for the question. It's a good question. You know, I do have my text group. I have other people I call. The person who texted me this morning is not part of that text group. Um, I have other friends uh, 
as well in, in the community. I'm, and I'm ever-expanding my community, um, whether it's for a 10-step or for um, to answer questions about sponsorship or other matters um, that may come up, uh, personal experience that people have in an area that I might want to explore, things like that. Um, it's an ever-expanding network. And so this is a disease of isolation and disqualification. I, I will say that. And, uh, and, but the promise in the big book is that we will create around us a community that we crave. One of the bright spots of my life is, is calling one of my sponsees to do a 10-step with them and also getting called to do STEM, 10 steps with them. I absolutely love it. However, I don't want to be their only resource. One, one thing I do want to say is whenever I give feedback, it's not my job to tell anybody what to do ever with their food, with their, with their um, well, other than 100% abstinence, whatever that looks like for them, to take step one perfectly. But um, I can't define somebody's food plan. That's, I'm not a professional. I'm a compulsive overeater. I can't tell somebody what to do when I feed back on a 10-step. All I can do is offer considerations that come to mind. Um, but I would just, I, I think it's, a great service if you put your name out on a vision for you as someone available to take 10-step calls because it's hard for people to begin to do that, to reach out and build a network. Um, if you hear somebody who you like their share on the line, call up and ask them if there's somebody that you can call for 10 steps. Begin to build a relationship with them. And I trust that you, like me, may be sitting here two years from now weeping over the the, the blessing of the people that um, your higher power puts into your life as part of your network. And um, thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Martha S. Elizabeth S. Hi, my name is Elizabeth S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Alberta, Canada. And um, I've gotten into the habit of in the middle of the day, my sponsor has asked me kind of to do a 10-step check. Um, and And I've got a string of so many days that there's no fear coming up. There's no resentment coming up. There's, I don't think there's any dishonesty coming up and, um, and selfishness. I'm just wondering, is that a cause for concern or is that just a sign of recovery? Um, wow. I love it on a night that I do my nightly review where I'm not, you know, where I don't find anything. And um, and I, I wonder that myself. <laughs> it's a very good question, Elizabeth. Um, you know, one of the things that, that the fourth step did for me was it helped me to see things I didn't see and, and know things I didn't know, that I was living a life of resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, and fear. Um, you know, it talks about, uh, the big book talks about, you know, our lives are riddled with a hundred forms of fear, but I, I didn't know that there were a hundred forms of fear. So I think that as we partner with, uh, with our higher power and we ask God to direct our thinking and to show us the things that we, we haven't seen, um, that perhaps more and more, like me, uh, your understanding and awareness of, of things like selfishness, of things like your dishonesty will show up. I will say that having 11-step um, buddies, people who reflect back what they saw during the day has been so transformative to me. Also, hearing 10 steps of others 
because it's like, oh, I do that. I never thought of that as a dishonesty, you know, like thinking that, um, you know, I have to finish everything on my to-do list today. And then that sets up a subtle form of fear that I'm not going to get it all done. And then I begin to try to run the show to race through my list, to outrun the train of time, you know. There are subtle things that, um, you know, when I'm doing that, then I'm not looking for God's will. I'm looking for my will because I have to get this, this, and this done today. (laughs) Oftentimes, before I even hit my knees when I get out of bed in the morning, I've got my plan. And I'm being selfish if I'm not yielding. And, and step 10 says all throughout the day we need to seek, you know, what, what, what's your will? Um, step 11 says, you know, we, we, we pause and, and we say, what's the next right thing to do, you know? And we ask God to give us whatever we need to take care of that problem. So I'm going to have problem after problem after problem every single day. Is that what you're saying? It's like waves in the ocean. They just keep coming. Yes, but I have a new employer. He's going to give me everything I need if I stay close to him and perform his work well. And so for me, when I have a problem, guess what? I get fearful. I get I get selfish. I get pouty. I get into all of those things. So um, you may be at a place where, wow, you've seen everything that you see, and maybe it's Maybe maybe there's some finer tuning, that delicate work that God wants to do, um, your creator may want to do inside of you. And so I'd just be open to it. I'd just sit and pause for a few minutes and say, am I missing anything? And if you're not, yay, <laughs> awesome. And I like the idea of pausing to do a 10-step check um, throughout the day or, you know, at least once a day if you if you find you're not doing 10 steps often because uh, I can't get through too many days without them. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Charlie G., your turn. Mm, Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much, Elaine. My name is uh, Charlie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Alberta, Canada as well. Um, Thank you so much, Elaine. Now, um, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. There was... um, so in the 10th step, in, out of the big book, it says we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these things crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. But did I hear you say like there, like if something is, like if something is really... Um, taking up space in our head and like we need to talk about it we need to do 10 steps sometimes over and over uh, before we get through the other side of that but did I hear you say um, that it's not always necessary to uh, you know pick up the phone and make a 10-step call like were there instances where you know maybe I'm feeling uh, maybe I'm at work and 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 somebody is um you know, behaving in a way that I I might not think is, is appropriate. And then, you know, so I start talking to God. I ask, you know, God to remove that judgment or whatever. And then I get back to a place where, you know, they're no longer in my head and I'm focused back on my work. Like, I, I thought I had heard you say, and I could be wrong, that's why I'm asking, that there are times when something comes up and we, and uh, we ask God to remove that fear if that's what we're feeling. And then we get back to a place of uh, calm and peace. And do we still need to 
make that phone call. Because I thought I heard, heard you say not. That's a very good question, Charlie. Thank you very much for asking it. Um, so for me, one of the big problems that I had was I stuffed my feelings behind food so much that I was dull to even identify them. And that's still a problem for me today. And, um, you know, I'm just learning what my feelings are. Uh, and But they're, they're signs. They indicate that there's something going on for me. So um, if I'm starting to feel a level of discomfort, I need to pay attention to that. So for me, I'm, I'm a comfort addict. I, I want my ease and comfort. If I feel dis-ease and discomfort, I need to look at what that is. But oftentimes for me, it's like, I don't know. Do I have a fear of resentment? I don't know what it is. So I'm, I'm, I'm usually getting agitated at something, you know. I have a real sensitivity to noises. If there's a noise like, you know, my husband's hitting the spoon with a plate when he's eating in the other room, that really aggravates me. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. So I get agitated by it. Am I resentful that he's doing it? I don't know. I, I, I dealt with I'm not sure. So um, I ask God for the next right thought or action. And if, if, you know, God brings the thought to me, he's, he's almost finished, it's okay, you can get through this, then it goes away, fine, great, I don't need to do a resentment. But if it doesn't, and I get really angry, and it's like he does this all the time, and I've asked him not to do it, you know, then I need to pick up the phone and make the call, because the instructions are very clear. If I do have fear, if I do have a, a resentment, but I can look to God at those times where it's like, oh, this is kind of borderline, I'm, not real, I'm just feeling a little agitated, you know. So the next right action may be that God brings back something somebody told me on the 10 steps, that God may give me a perspective that I I hadn't thought of that helps me just release it and let go of it. Um, um, But it may be, you know, you need to do a 10-step on this. this, You're afraid or you have a resentment or you're being selfish. So I think the 10-step instructions are very clear that we should discuss it with somebody immediately. And, you know, sometimes we're in the midst of a busy life and, and it's really hard to do that. But, again, you know, if I had to use the bathroom, I would make the time to do that, you know. And so um, that's kind of, that's, that's, that's my take on it. The positive, doubtful, or agitated, I absolutely love that um, option that we're, an instruction that we're given in the 11th step. And that helps guide me at times, whether this is just something I need to, you know, that, that I can get a perspective on, have the right thought or action, and, and sometimes that's a 10 step and sometimes it's not. I hope that answers your question, Charlie. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charlie, for the question. Who else has a question this morning for Elaine regarding the 10th step? This is Laura G. in California. Laura G. Cheryl from Maryland. Cheryl, what's yes. the first letter of your last name, Cheryl? S is in Sam. Thank you. Anyone else? Hi, I'm Maureen M. Maureen M. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's stick with those three for now. Laura G. Go right ahead. Thanks, Leah. Good morning, everybody. This is Laura G., compulsive overeater in California. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about the part that um, the question in the 10 step where it talks about um, when you ask the question, 
um, how you go against yourself. For some reason, when that comes up, I um, I get I feel awkward. Like, like isn't that why we're doing the ten step? Because we don't know why it's happening. If that, if, am I clear on the question or? I'm not exactly sure what you mean by how you go against yourself. Okay, like that when you ask that question, um, when you're doing it, the ten step, and the, the, isn't that part of it? How are you going? How does this work against yourself per se? That's part of the question, right? Of the ten step when you're delving into it. Um, well, I'll, I'll just go through, and you can pause, well, and, and let me know when I've hit the place. You know, um, okay. What what I learned, and I'm assuming you're talking about a resentment, which resentment means refeeling. So it may be that I'm angry, but it may be that I'm, you know, I keep grieving over something or I, you know, really disappointed in something or whatever. So I may, I may, you know, it may not just be anger that I'm turning around. Um, I found the tool, the tool useful for that. So the resentment and why I'm mad, and then we look at, the cause and the, the, those are the causes, and then the effects that it affects my security, my ambition, my pride, my self-esteem. Is there fear involved? My my sex relations, my personal relations. Is is that the question you're talking about? Yeah, like how, how do you arrive? Like how do you arrive at knowing how you're going against yourself? I mean, sometimes those when those situations arise and you and you feel the resentment or the fear. You know, it's like sometimes hard to pinpoint. Right. Laura, are you doing the steps now? I've already gotten through all the, the steps. I'm trying to uh, okay. kind of hone in and, yeah. and be a, a real good 10-step person when people call. Absolutely. And um, so when we, the things that were helpful for me was to define what is selfishness? What are what are we looking at when we when we say selfish? And for me, that's what I, I, I'm hearing when you say go against myself. What are the things that, you know, may have been out of alignment? So for me, selfishness is what what did I want, you know? And, and that may be regardless of what anybody else wanted, you know, what was best for me? What was I seeking in the situation? And I've heard one way of looking at it is, you know, if I was on a stage and this, say, person that I was resentful at was on the stage with me, how would I want the audience to see that person treating me and behaving me? How is... You know, that that's kind of a way we can blow it up. And um, so I'll give you an example of that. When my father said we're moving to Massachusetts, you know, for me, I would have wanted him to consult me because I was a, a, a eight-year-old with a plan, and I knew that that wasn't a safe place to move, you know. Um, so and then my dishonesty uh, is that, um, you know, what lie did I tell myself? What did I believe that wasn't true? or Or what... What did I omit from telling somebody else? So for me, in that situation, I believed I knew what was best and um, that my father was wrong and that I could not trust him in my life anymore. I needed to close the door on him. Those were all lies that had a huge impact. They blocked me from my father. They blocked me from God. They they made it easy for me to block myself from other relationships. And, um, you know, I know that there are areas in my husband, in my relationship with my husband that I'm just trying to open more and more because of all of this. So um, those were lies I told myself. I went against myself that way. My self-seeking behavior was to um, character assassinate him, to shut myself off from him, to try to run the show, 
to um uh, I think that's that's pretty much it. And my fear was that I, I was I was gonna be hurt by these people in Massachusetts, these dirty dozen, you know, those people were wrong. And and that's another dishonesty that that I had the right and to say that those people are wrong. Does that help kind of direct what you're thinking? It certainly does. it certainly does and it makes me think of like um like putting your feet or digging your heels in the sand per se, like that's that would be how you're going against yourself, right? You're putting your feet, your heels in the sand and you're saying, That's it, I'm the one that yeah, is all important. Yeah, that that's that's it. And what I do when I do a ten step is I share the things that I see and I ask I invite whoever I'm I'm talking to to tell me if they see things I didn't see. And that's where I begin to get a wider perspective to step outside my thimble of experience and and my understanding of what God would have me see. And I can see things a different way. That one piece of information that, you know, that that person's just being the way that they are. They're not singling you out. You're not a powerless victim here. You just have to accept you can't change them. And it's like, oh, okay. And so if they agitate me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just have to accept this. This is not about me, you know. So, need for a 10-step on that one. Perfect. <laughs> Got thank, it. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Good question. Yes, thank you, Laura G. Cheryl S., you're up. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Elaine. Thank you both for your service. A question. I'm still in the process of working the steps. So, the 10th step, can I take out an order? Should I be doing a 10-step daily or as needed, um, even though I'm not recovered yet. And thank you very much. Thank you very much, Cheryl. That's a good question. You know, there are a lot of people who kind of pick and choose what steps they want to do. And um, and I, I like I said, I tried getting through the steps a lot of different times. But what I believe is that, you know, just like um, just like a math book or a or an, a book in English. We wanna we wanna learn one foundation at a time, and I believe that you can't successfully do a step ten until you have steps one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine firmly in place. And I believe that steps four through nine are the training ground. We work closely with with a sponsor um, to guide us through those steps, and we rely on the big book to guide us. What are the instructions? You know, we're just it's like. Um, someone on the line always talks about it's like a recipe of how how to make something. You know, you put this much in and this much in in this order, and if you skip something, it's not going to come out the way you want. The results aren't there. So I would be patient, you know, and just follow the instructions of your sponsor and, um, you know, keep doing the work one step at a time to the best of your ability, keeping keeping that step one 100%, admitting your abstinence and, um and, and acknowledging the unmanageability of, of perhaps just the food today, but God wants to solve all your problems. And um, and and when you get to step 10, it'll be at just the right time. Good thank question. you very thank much. You, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And Maureen M. Yes, good morning, visionaries. Um, thank you, Elaine. Thank you for sharing on the 10th step. I am... Uh, working with a sponsor and just completed uh, 
four and five. And, um, you know, I, I am sort of in the middle of these character defects and shortcomings, and they're, they're still evident, you know, and creating some chaos. And uh, I did a 10-step call. Uh, my sponsor is very busy, and, you know, I use the tools. I use um, people on the vision to call, and, you know, I'm just thinking maybe I need to just bounce things off of someone every day because I do journal and I do what I have to do, but I have, um, you know, uh, it's just I've done even like nine steps and ten steps with my friends because, you know, I don't want to live like that anymore. And um, it's been kind of difficult because, I'm waiting for this, I'm waiting for comfortability, and I'm not comfortable. And, you know, I know I'm not supposed to be comfortable. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the whole process of life is sometimes uncomfortable. And, you know, this is a maturity thing, and sometimes I I really am concerned at the level of my immaturity. And I know I laugh, but this has created many problems for me in my interpersonal relationships. And um, I've alienated people over the years, and, you know, I know I have to do some work still. Um, so that's where I'm at. I mean, in the meantime, though, there's stuff coming up that I don't want to build up. You know, I don't. I want to sweep it away so that not so more doesn't get collected on the shoe before I go to bed. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you so much for sharing that experience. It's, it's likely not uncommon. Um, so I, I do want to make a little qualifier uh, of something that I said previously. You know, in in um, in the big book, it says uh, it talks about all the promises of of doing the work um, at the end of step nine, um, and it says we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. I do want to qualify what I said in that you can still be doing step nine. We want to do our amends quickly, as quickly as we can. We don't want to linger with those, but sometimes we can't do all of them for uh, for different reasons. If it's a financial amends, we may need to save up money so that we can make it. It may take some time to pay back, um, things like that. But we do want to move on to step 10 and be doing that because um, if we wait until we're completely done with step 9, we put ourselves at risk from blocking ourselves from the sunlight of the spirit. And if we've just done a step four and we've just done step five, we begin to look at step six and seven immediately. We can be overwhelmed with the character defects that we see. You know, the character defects that I, I mentioned, I'm still working on today. I will have character defects until the day I die. I, I'm convinced of that. But um, I really would encourage you to trust the process. You know, I think about um, in a mass unit and they bring everybody in and they do triage and they say, this one's really bad, we have to do this first. And what they do is they stop the bleeding, you know. They don't go right into surgery, they don't do everything all at once. Somebody's diagnosed with cancer, they say, well, let's try this first, we're going to do... Um, we'll do some chemo and then we'll see if the tumor shrinks and then we'll go and, and do surgery. What I found is that work that I've done on my four step, that I did a thorough job at the time. I got relief. I got recovered. Thank you, God. I got recovered with the work I did on my four step with my sponsor. 
And then, you know, a year later, something comes up and I find out something in the family and it triggers something deep in me that did not come up when I was in my, in my four step. Thank God I had the practice of doing 10 step. I did some really, really, really deep work. The same thing just happened. You know, I've realized that I've got some real struggles with work and I was directed to really look back at my family of origin and what lies did I believe and they're still shaping me, my lies and my fears. And I've done some deep work. It's really painful. But what it is is, you know, God gave me what I needed to get through and to survive and now it's time to take out the tumor, you know, or whatever it is. So I would encourage you, please, to trust the process. Don't jump ahead. Stay with your sponsor. If you've got new resentments coming up, you know, uh, do a four-step and tell your sponsor to do a fifth-step until you get to step nine. And and also that you may have a lot of, of wreckage to clear up, but, um, you know, you're in partner with a God that will give you, uh, with a the power greater than yourself that will give you everything that you need. And I just so admire that you want to clean up the past. And on page 100 of the big book, this is what I call the best promise. Every, almost every step comes with promises. I, I think this is the best promise. On page 100, it says, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress, which for me is the steps, one step at a time. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands, and that means how quickly we move through the steps, were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. They redid this book for editions. They never changed that sentence because it's coming true. It's coming true for me and it will come true for you if you trust the process and keep working your program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Maureen. And our final invitation for questions. Who else has Gladys? My name is Gladys F. Hi, Gladys. Who else? Any other questions this morning for Elaine? Okay, I'll take that as a no. Gladys, you'll be our final questioner this morning. Yeah, my name is Gladys F. Um, Elaine, I came in on the middle of your share, and what I heard is I heard like a lot of uh, emotion and a passion uh, from you working the steps, especially 4 and 10, and you even said something about um, step 4 help you to, I think, to see you, um, I can't remember verbatim what you said, but what my question is, is just in the way that, that step four and step 10 is written, where in step four it mentions uh, moral inventory, and then in uh, step 10 the word changed to like personal, do you, did you, um, like, did you identify, like, any difference just with those two words alone when you worked the step, when you did uh, verse four, I mean, step four versus uh, doing step 10? 
Thank you so much for the question, Gladys. Um, you know, the, the fact that it's a moral inventory um, is really important because uh, what we do is we look at our perspectives, the things that drive us, um, the, our, our motivations. And, um, you know, rather than doing like a store inventory or <laughs> how many have done this, a cabinet inventory to make our grocery list, <laughs> um, we're doing a spiritual inventory and we're looking at um, where we're out of alignment perhaps in a way that we would be standing up straight spiritually and connecting with God and connecting with others spiritually in a way that is, I'll call, morally pure. We're not trying to pull from them what we need or force on them our plan or um, what we're trying to yield to a power greater than ourselves and say, you know, again, if we, if we use the example of creator as a power greater than ourselves, who made the universe as the skies in place, holds the ocean at its tide, um, you know, uh, and that, that God will continue fine-tuning me so that it's not just my body that's fit now, um, but it's my spirit that is fit, that I have a moral compass that tells me when I'm slightly off. You're getting a little selfish there, you know, you're just about to say something mean, or you did say something mean, you know, or you cheated somebody, or you lied, or you took that from work and you weren't supposed to, you know. All of those little things, we become more and more sensitized to where we are on a moral basis. And um, so I believe that's what it's talking about, that step four is the exact same model of what we do in step 10, you know that the way that our sponsor in the big book guides us to use that inventory, you know, one column at a time, that that we do the exact same thing when we do a step 10. Um, it was just our introduction. We learned our ABCs. We learned how to talk, and now we use it every day. It becomes a fluent and frequent part of our lives. Um, I hope that answers your question, Gladys. Thank you for asking. Thank you. Thank you, Gladys. Thank you to everyone. I have one more question. Oh, we have someone popping up in the crowd. Your name, please. Nadia V. Nadia. Go ahead. Uh, just thank you so much for your share. I uh, feel so blessed that, you know, I have learned um, how beneficial this step is to my recovery. Um, my question is, I um, come across a lot of, um, you know, friends and fellows in recovery that, um, you know, still struggling to learn how vital this step is. And, um, you know, is there a way for me to be helpful to people um, that are, you know, they've gone through step one through nine and maybe, you know, are not there. And, you know, I see them struggling and suffering in their emotions. Um, I don't know if I, uh, I am clear in that um, question. I have, you know, failed on that step um, before and relapsed. And um, is there a way to help people prevent, you know, relapses on step 10? Maybe your experience with that. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Nadia. That's a good question and a good observation. It's one that I've seen many times. Um, um, I've had sponsees that, you know, had not been doing 10 steps and, um, you know, they get blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit. They're not continuing on the spiritual path and they've gone back out in the food. And it's very saddening and disturbing when that happens. And it's, it has happened to me several times. And um, so it's part of the reason why I really wanted to talk on this step because I think it's really important. Also, as I said, you know, I'm in an environment where a lot of people are working steps and going to meetings on a regular basis, big book step study, face-to-face meetings. I really love and admire them. I appreciate, you know, what they bring. However, when I've done 10 steps with them, they're often surprised. They're like, don't you do that when you go to bed? I do that every night when I go to bed. Isn't that how it works? However, you know, when I hear the words, discuss it with someone immediately, it's clear to me that, no, that's not when I do it, (laughs) you know. And um, so doing step 10s has changed my life. So there are two things I would suggest, one, um, for your consideration. One would be to, uh, you know, as a recovered person who's benefited from using these steps, um, especially step 10, to share that experience with other people to encourage them to do the same. And you may actually have an opportunity to do that when you're sharing with someone who's suffering to say, listen, I so appreciate you're being honest with me about your suffering. I, you know, the 10 steps tool has been so useful for me. Can we do one now and just do it for them? And one, one third consideration for you is to perhaps, you know, if you have a 10 step that isn't deep, you feel like you need a lot of feedback, uh, you don't need feedback from a strongly recovered person, perhaps you could call them if they're living in the steps and do a step 10 with them and model exactly what it is that is that you've learned is so vital for your recovery. So as we share our experience, strength, and hope, as we encourage others, um, you know, that's all we can do. And whether they do the work and whether they are able to, to keep, you know, keep their abstinence because of the work is completely up to them. So, um, and I've heard, you know, the best thing we can do to uh, encourage others is recover, recover, recover. So you keep doing the work. That's the best. <laughs> That's the best thing. Thanks for the question, Nadia. And thank you, everybody, for the opportunity to share. Thanks, Nadia. Thank you to everybody. Thank you, Elaine B., for this beautiful presentation this morning. And we'll close now from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.